right. Thank you, Quentin. Tough gig when your uh, reputation precedes you, you know. And uh, lunch is right after here. Hey, we want to pray for Chris. Uh, he's at Life Expedition today, one of our church churches in our network that we know he's speaking up in uh, Melbourne, uh, in the city. So let's just uh, pray for him. Lord, we thank you for Chris, even as he preaches as your minister of reconciliation up in Life Expedition today, that you would bless the church and you cause it to thrive and flourish, that you would anoint him to be a minister of reconciliation and growth and you would inspire the congregation there. We pray for Pastor Chris Willis and his wife Yuli, Lord, as they shepherd and steward this church. Thank you, God, that we pray for an increase and an impartation uh, and that you would just bless the church and his ministry this morning. Thank you for this house. We pray, Lord, that this morning that you would challenge us, you would speak to us, you inspire us, give us a new, fresh perspective of Scripture, of ideas and thoughts that we have not seen or heard before. Let it be filtered by the Word of God. Let it be censored by the Holy Spirit. Above all, Lord, let your Word incubate and nurture uh, in our lives that it will produce fruit of 30, 60, and even 100-fold. Lord, for this Saturday, as we come as a church for this uh, White Horse Fair, Lord, that we will start to see that fruit showing in Jesus' name. Everyone say... Amen, amen. Well, thank you very much for your um, ears this morning. And uh, I'm speaking, uh, it's not a very difficult message today, but uh, hopefully you, you get a couple of things uh, into your spirit. We're talking about showing up and how do we live openly and transparently with others. Uh, easy to say, hard to do, right? Easy to say, but hard to do, to live open and transparent lives with other people. And uh, so just to recap, this is our anchor verse for the church. Why don't we all just read it together? Ready? One, two, go. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Very good. So the first half of the year, we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. We went through the book of Acts, if you remember. And this uh, season, we are going to be focusing on the witness part. So we are in the witness series. There are, I think, four sessions. So Chris kicked us off last week on the witness bit and our personal encounter and experience with God. And I'm just going to take that a little bit further today. So what, uh, what is a good witness, right? So what is a good, reliable uh, witness? Well, you know, there are two sides to the same coin in my mind. So as I was doing some reading, you know, to be an effective witness, you need to have a personal experience, a personal encounter, right? Easy. And then you need to do the telling or the sharing bit, right? They are both two sides of the same coin. One without the other is useless, right? You need to have that personal encounter, and then you need to have the time of sharing, yeah? Um, so just to demonstrate, I mean, Tony, so uh, let's say CNN comes and interviews you, and you say, right, Tony, so two men left the car and went into the bank, yes, and they were holding guns, yes, and they shot in the ceiling, yes, everybody was screaming, yes, and they reached across to the teller and says, give me your money, yes, they grabbed the money, they ran out into the speeding car and they drove off, yes, and you saw all this, said, no, no, I got it from my WhatsApp chat, right? I mean, it kind of defeats the whole purpose, right, of being a witness, you know what I'm saying? And then on the other side, if you have experienced the forgiveness of God, you've been healing, or you've maybe gone through a particular tough time, and God has delivered you, right? And you are ready. You say, okay, now Daniel, you're ready to testify, right? You, you, you know, God is good. Yes, God is good. All right, here's the microphone. And but Daniel's not anywhere to be found. He said, why? 
Say, I've enrolled. Enroll in what? In the witness protection program. <laughs> no, no, no. The witness protection program comes after your witness. Then you come under his protection. Right? But anyway, I mean, so some of you know the witness protection program has been set up so that, um, you know, usually if there's crime bosses and, you, you know, your life is in danger, you witness, you give a testimony in court, and then the government puts you up with a new identity, right? They wrap you all up. But unfortunately for us, sometimes Christians, we self-enroll in the witness protection program. I have bad news for you. The devil knows where you live. Right? I mean, you laugh, but he really knows where you live. But thanks be to God, whose protection do we live under? God. Psalm 91, right? He who dwells under the shelter of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of His wing, right? So we don't have to worry. You see, but there are two sides to the same coin. To be an effective witness, we need to have that personal experience, that encounter with God. And it's a growing one. It's not a perfect God zaps you once and that's it. No, it's a growing relationship. Like, you know, um, some of us have been married for many years. You discover your spouse day by day, year by year, right? And you're still learning, right? Um, and we are changing. But two sides of the same coin. So I kind of ask myself, what gets in the way of a good witness? Right? What gets in the way of a witness? So I've been talking to people. I've been reflecting on my own life. Why is it sometimes just a bit hard to tell people, well, actually, I'm a Christian. You know, God did this for me. Or why is it hard to welcome people into our lives and share our story? So as I went through some excuses, I'm sure none of them uh, exist in this church. But let me just go through reasons why I sometimes talk myself out of being a witness, right? If this affects or uh, is part of you, then great. Otherwise, just move on, right? Uh, sometimes I'm prone to say, well, I can't do it. Someone else's job to do it. I can't do it. I'm really not that holy, right? Um, I might hold the mic today, but you know what? I'm really not in a good place. You know, can't, can't you see? I, I'm suffering now. I can't be a good witness. My story isn't all that interesting. I mean, you know, go talk to Brother Yang. He comes from Malaysia. There's plenty of stories there. You know what? Sometimes I just feel like a hypocrite. Don't want to do it. Um, well, you know what? Ask the pastor. That's what we pay him for. He should be the one preaching. If only you knew my past. If only you knew the stuff that I had to go through. Now, what if I say the wrong thing? And you go to hell. I don't be a witness. What's the point? I might slip up again. We are all going to slip up. So what's the point? Anybody identify with this? Don't put up a hand. Video? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so these are common things. If I were to distill it all down to two reasons why we don't like the sharing, the telling bit, the, 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 you know, the giving testimony, Right? Some of these excuses, yeah, some of these reasons are maybe valid. But, you know, if I was going to say two reasons why, here's, a, here's my take on it. Because of fear and shame. Shame of what we've done. Shame of where we've come from. Shame because we don't think we have got that much of an interesting story. Shame because maybe we have failed in business, at home, and divorce, and committed adultery, or children and drugs, or whatever it is. We, we, shame, right? Well, how, how can God ever use me? Fear. Well, what if I slip up tomorrow? What if I fail again? What if I let someone down? What if you judge me and you don't want to be my friend anymore? What if you really knew I stood for no, but I can't say it because everyone else is going yes. And, and, and so we feel fearful. 
the two things that prevent us from being an effective good witness, at least in our mind, in our natural, is because of fear and shame. Would you agree? Fear and shame. What else is it? If we distill it down. And so today, I was, as I was reflecting, you know, here, you know, God puts it another way, right? He says, you know, and, and this is from the message, it's from Matthew 5. Here's another way to put it, you know, not from me, from the Lord in the message Bible. It says, you are here, me, you, you are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? It's like God saying. I'm putting you on a light stand. Wow. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. Isn't it just beautiful the way the message puts it together as a witness? That you know, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be generous. But it's not perfect. Nothing to do with that. There's no qualifying here. Only do this if you are perfect, you're rich, you've got it all together, haven't failed before, and not ashamed of your past. Then do the scripture. Did it say that? No, because the first line it says is, here's another way. In spite of all the excuses, Roger, you might have, here's another way to put it. I am the light. So that means, Daniel, God sprinkles you in the marketplace. Shine. Uh, Alice and uh, Joseph, God brings people to your house. Shine. That's your witness. Alan, you're in every cafe in Blackburn. Shine, right? <laughs> Where you go, just go shine. Um, it doesn't really matter whether you're at home, you're in school, you're in transit. Uh, we've started taking the train, Denise and I, to work. And that's our place where we shine. I mean, sometimes I sleep, right? But, you know, it was where you want to sh- I'm thinking as I'm snoring, it's very rhythmic, so other people around can snore and, and sleep. But we need to shine. Wherever God places us to live open, expansive, generous lives, even if we don't have it all together. In fact, sometimes how many know when somebody has it all together, kind of, it's a bit hard to believe, Right? But it's a lot easier when he says, you know what, I'm struggling with this. You know, I haven't, I haven't been healed yet. I've been praying for 20 years, but you know, my hope is still in God. Uh, and here are some reasons why. You know, I, I've got certain inkling, and, and when we are processing through our, our journey, I think that authenticity is really what attracts people. And really, it's not about us. It's really about what? It's prompting people to open up themselves to God. And as you're open, people open up to God. So I thought... Rather than kind of bore you with uh, what my definition of a good witness is, 25 steps to be a good witness, why don't we go straight to Scripture and find out what is God's standard of a good witness? Now, you might be surprised because we think we've got to not have any of those excuses, right? I mean, you think, well, I don't want to put God's name to shame. I'm a Christian. You've got to wear the label, wear the cross, have the piercings. You know, what is God's example of a witness? Do you know there are a few times in Scripture where God says, wow, I've never seen that kind of faith. Wow, this guy's awesome. Wow, I've never seen that. Here is a story, and I love, 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 love this uh, story, which I'll retell, and I'm so glad um, I get to tell the story today. And... Uh, let me go to the end of the story first where God affirms this woman. And you'll know the story very soon. 
where he says to her, Assuredly, I say to you, to the people around, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her, as a witness to her, as a testimony. So here is this example. So we need to pay some attention to this story because God is saying, this story matters, guys. What this lady has done matters because she is a great witness. And the stuff that she's done for me will stand as a memorial, as a testimony, as a witness for all time. What made this story special? All right? So uh, you all will know, it, what's the, what is the story? The woman with what? The alabaster jar, right? The woman with the alabaster jar. Do you know why it's, uh, it's quite special? There are 11 events in, that occur in each... Sorry, let me backtrack. You know, we have got four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? Not every story occurs in all four Gospels. In fact, only 11 events are told in all four Gospels, right? Only 11 Events. Out of all the things, there are only 11 events that are important enough, I guess, that, are, uh, that God says, pay attention because it's written in four of my four Gospels. Four out of four. Uh, baptism of John, feeding of 5,000, Peter's profession of Christ, triumphal entry, Last Supper. How could you not have a Last Supper in a Gospel? Right? Last Supper is in there. Gethsemane, the Savior, struggling before going to pray, um, before the cross, facing that, his, all of his humanity. The trials, the crucifixion. How can Christianity not have the crucifixion? Appears in each of the four Gospels. His burial, his resurrection, right? Without, without which we will have no hope. And this story. The woman with the alabaster jar. So we should pay attention. So the story goes something like this. Jesus is in uh, Bethany. He's in the home of, uh, he's been invited for a meal. Very much like Quentin, being invited to my house for a meal. Except this time he's hosted by Simon the leper. Not Roger the Sao Chai, no. <laughs> um, he's a Pharisee. He's uh, invited uh, Jesus to come along. And out of the blue, a woman, the Bible describes her in one of those, I think it's Mark or Luke, says a woman of questionable character. In fact, my version says of immoral character, makes her way to the front carrying an alabaster jar. Now you need to understand in those days, right, the alabaster jar contains uh, perfume. Uh, this is how they are used to, it's really expensive. It's something that is very costly and of great price and value. And, 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 and surprise, surprise, she defies all odds. She comes before Jesus. Uh, some versions say she stands behind him, breaks the alabaster jar, pours it over Jesus, over his head, and then begins to uh, pour it over his feet and wipes his feet, the feet of Jesus, which is like the dirtiest part of those days because they don't wear Reeboks, right? They just walk around with open-toe sandals, right? Uh, and washes the, his feet with this expensive perfume and with her tears and wipes it with her hair. Wow. But, but, but not everyone's happy, Tony, because they're really upset. They're really upset for two points. Number one, they're indignant because it was very costly. They're saying, whoa, 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 whoa. We could have sold this and donated to the BGH fund, right? 
I mean, we could have bought ice kachang, which is my stall next week, okay? So please come. There'll be plenty of ice, you know, just come. Ice kachang, three tokens, three tokens. If you come and see any of my team, just mention, I know Roger, then you get discount. You get an extra scoop of uh, gula melaka, right? Anyway. I mean, stop by Uncle Steven, Chakwetiao, all the other stores as well. But when you need something refreshing, come to Ice Kacang, Snow Cone, Grass Jelly, okay? <sighs> so not everybody was happy. So one group were unhappy because the money could have been sold and given to the poor, right? Another group was unhappy because they said, oh, if Jesus was a prophet, he'll know what kind of woman this is. If Jesus was really holy, he wouldn't be associating with Blah, right? You, you don't want someone to touch you. In fact, in those days, for a woman to touch a man, it's like way, 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 way out there, right? And what did Jesus say? I'll come to that in a second. Jesus says, leave them alone. Leave, them, leave her alone. Leave her alone because he then says this, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial, as a witness. Isn't it funny that the, the, the standards that we apply for a good witness, you know, that you know, we're encouraged to live open lives and we think we have to have it all perfect and we have to have, you know, be eloquent and know the Word of God. And, and here is a woman of questionable character, the Bible says, that Jesus didn't reject. But she brought something of great worth. It was her act. And so as I was meditating on, on uh, this whole, you know, see, uh, story, a um, couple of things jumped up to me. See if you uh, like this. Let's follow along and let's go a little bit deeper today in our word, can we? So far, so good? We're following? Here's this. You see, this story occurs in each of the four Gospels. Four Gospels, right? That means it's pretty important. It's up there with the resurrection, with the crucifixion, with, you know, the calling of uh, uh, the baptism of John. Wow, these are monumental, epic kind of Christianity-defined moments. This is up there. We don't even know her name. In fact, till today, some people, are, they got a couple of possible things. Some say it's Mary of Bethany, who is a sister, uh, sister of Lazarus and Martha. Some say it might be Mary Magdalene, uh, who was a prostitute, you know, but being stoned and then, yeah. Some say it was some other person, right? But for this story, we don't even know her name. If it's that important, I mean, but you know what? We know the name of the host, Simon. In case you were in doubt of who the host is, he was a Pharisee because we name him Simon the Pharisee. And in case there were too many Simon the Pharisee, just to remove all doubt, it was that particular Simon. He was a leper. Simon the leper, the Pharisee. The Bible is quite specific when it needs to. But why? For this monumental shift, epic kind of story, we don't even know a hundred percent her name. Is it because they forgot to put a name in? I think. I think. The star of the story is the act, not the person behind the act. The star, just for this particular event, the hero of the story is not the actual person, but what she's done for Jesus. What she does. Would you agree? Possible. And, 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 and why do I say that? Because 
Jesus doesn't say what she said. This is her name. He says, what she has done for me will be a testimony, a memorial. It's the act of selfless devotion, adoration, where Jesus is the focus and where she appreciates him. Whoops, how do we fly there? Um, and delight that she brings. The act of devotion, of worship, is what draws God to this woman and draws him to then say, this story, one of the 11. You get it? So what does that mean for us? It's not about who, Roger, Ken, Azil, Avil, YC. It's not about us necessarily. Yes, it's about us on a personal experience side. We need to have an encounter with God. But you know, when it comes down to sharing our testimony, it's what the Lord has done in us. That's the story. That's the hero. That it's really not so much about us, but it's what God, we are simply billboards for Him. It's not about the content. Sorry, it's not about the container. It's about the content. Right? It's about what Jesus has done in my life as I'm processing through whatever struggles that you may have a difficult time with our boss, break up with a boyfriend, or a divorce from a spouse. It's what God is doing as we process through some of these difficulties, as we process through the highs and the lows of our lives. That's the one that is of great worth. And that's the focus and the star of why we should be sharing. Not about how good we are. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, God is no respecter of persons, right? That's the first point. Here's the second point. Do you know no perfume flowed until the jar was broken? Listen, no perfume flowed until the jar was broken. This woman could have said, you know, this is really expensive. It's really, really super expensive. I've saved up all my savings and I'm not going to break this. But she didn't say that, did she? She could have kept it for herself. But her love for Jesus overcame whatever fear, whatever shame that might have prevented her from touching Jesus. She didn't come to say, well, I'm just going to worship and anoint Jesus because I'll be written and be read by the whole of humanity. I don't think she had that view. In fact, this woman probably said, you know what, I, you know, I know my past. I know my shame. I know where I've come from. But you know what? My love for the Savior, my love for Him because of His acceptance of me will transcend all. And it's worth breaking this jar of expensive container for Jesus. She probably didn't know he was going to be crucified a week later in the most horrific of situations. She probably didn't know. But you know what? For her, it was simply the act of breaking the jar to bless Jesus. You know, when Christ's work in us is exposed, I think that's when witnessing truly occurs. What I mean by this is that when we allow and we open up our lives, you know, we live... In an Instagram generation, isn't it? I've never seen Kim Kardashian, not that I follow her, on Instagram post a bad picture. Never. It's always perfect. It's tan. She looks good. You know, it's like, wow. I've never seen anyone on Instagram says, today is my pouty face, hate myself face. You know, I, I've never seen that. I've never seen anybody on Facebook says, you know, this food is like really bad, you know, and uh, I had to eat it with my boyfriend. I proposed, but it was raining. You know, it's all perfect, right? What well, pictures today are all, all perfect, right? Because we, 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 we're so worried about the container, about the appearance, 
that sometimes we forget it. Really, God looks at the content. And uh, in this instance, I think when we expose what God is doing in our hearts, you know, and, and David does it all the time. He says to himself, my soul will boast of the Lord. You know, I'm in anguish right now. Um, Ruth read us a scripture this morning, you know, my heart is downcast, you know, but, and, and then he picks himself up. Because it's when we share about what God is doing in the process as well as after the process. That's when I think we begin to break that perfume and that gold and people start to say, oh, if God can do it for you, God can do it for me, Tony. If God can bless you, Auntie Man, can, can, you know what? Maybe, maybe I, I can claim that too. If God will heal you after 20 years, then, then you know, I have hope. I may not be hope, but you know what? I, I see you are my anchor point, Maggie. You know, if, you can, if God can do that for you, then God can truly do it for me. And I'm going to seek Him. And here's the thing. When we open up our lives as a witness, the perfume didn't just bless Jesus. Who else did it bless? Everyone in the room. But here's the thing, though. Remember, not everyone will be your fan. Of course, we apply wisdom. We apply uh, courage. And before I move on to the point, now Paul says this, you know, my grace is sufficient for you for my power. Jesus saying to him, is made perfect in weakness. If you know the scripture, Paul is negotiating with God. He says, please take away this thorn in my flesh. And I'm, ah, I'm a great preacher, but you know, this thorn, I don't know what it is. The scripture doesn't say. Take it away. But then he, he has this revelation that Jesus tells him, my, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Paul now realizes, and he says that. Why? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am? For when I am weak, then I am? Strong. For when I am? Then I am? It's not just a play on words. We are strengthened not because of our own weaknesses suddenly disappearing. No, we are strengthened because in spite of our weakness, the Savior stands next to us and helps us process if we allow Him to. And that journey and that exposure, that's the perfume that is very attractive to a world that desperately needs an authentic Savior, that desperately needs to know an alternative lifestyle to where it's heading, right? In fact, sometimes, a lot of times, and I learned this from Chris, he says, you know, a lot of times when we are trying to present an alternate argument and counter, we, I, I don't even tell him, oh, you know, the Bible says this, you know, you shouldn't be doing that, you burn in hell. Don't, don't do that. People actually know. In fact, what we tell people, oh, I, I do, as I said, you know, how is it going for you in whatever area you're doing? If it's going great, well, maybe there's something I can learn. But if it's not going so well, you say, may I present an alternate view? You know, I've known this God for all this while. I, you know, He's never let me down. Would you like to hear? Why are you always so chirpy? Why do you do certain things? Well, you know what? Let, can I present to you an alternate view? How is it going for you? Right? Maybe you think it's okay to stay with my boyfriend or girlfriend as opposed to getting married. For, you know, whatever. Yep, yeah, fine. How is that going for you? Maybe money is really, really super important. Okay. Pursue money. Along the way, if you could, I could I just ask, how's that going for you? Have you, have you got it all now? Is, is, it, is it good? Great. You can buy anything you want. But are you fulfilled? Is there purpose? Is there meaning? And if not, then here's an opportunity. Well, can I present you an alternate picture? 
right? No perfume flowed until the jar was broken. Third and my final point. You know, to others, it was extravagant, even wasteful. To her, it was the least she could do. Keith, come and uh, help me preach this last point. You know, when I was writing this yesterday in this cafe, I was waiting for Ethan uh, in Nare Warren, and uh, he, he has a tutor there. And so I, I drive there, and I sit down in my favorite cafe, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm writing these words down. You know, tears just started forming in my eyes, you know. To others, it was extravagant, even wasteful. But to this person, to this woman who is unnamed, to her, it was the least she could do. It was the least she could do. I thought, wow. How much do I actually love God? Sometimes I ask myself. How much? You know, it's easy. I come here, I do my gig or whatever, and you go home and you live your own lives. You run your business. But, you know, God really charged me. And it wasn't in a condemning way. And I just felt, Lord. I mean, everyone has a different race and a standard. I, I, I get that, right? It's not meant to condemn. But, you know, I was challenged to write this. What we are willing to do is directly proportional to our perspective of what He has done for me, or what He's done in me. Would you agree? And, and what I'm willing to do, how far I'm willing to be stretched and push and give and share, minister, serve, blah, 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 pray me. It's really directly proportional. Because if it's not, then I'd rather, I'll say, please don't do it. Please don't do it. Because we're not fooling Him. But when we do it, when we answer that call of a crying parent on the other side saying, my son's just been caught with, you know, amphetamines. Come help me. Or can you come and do something over this fair and do this weekend? Can you help out? We don't have to do it. We don't. When we're raising funds for BJ, we don't have to give. Or we can give a token sum. But I always say, what we are willing to do is directly proportional to our perspective of what He's done for me. So this morning, can I just ask you, what has He done for you? And you, and you at the back. Uncle and auntie at the back. Friends at 1830. What has He done for you, Sean? What has he done for you, Uncle Stephen? What has he done for you, Bobby Anita? What's he done for you, Brother and Sister Young? What's he done for you? What has he done for you, Auntie Peggy? What has he done for you, Luther? What has he done for you? Because when he, when he does it for me, that's the least I can do. Break my jar of perfume. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she loved much but he who is forgiven little loves little sometimes I, I'm upset with myself I say why are you so stingy with your time why are you so stingy with your giving Roger why are you so stingy with your gifts couldn't you give more and then I have to run to the cross and say God please change I'm sorry give me perspective because I don't want to be this underlined verse 
What is that? For he who is forgiven little, loves little. I want to love God expansively, extravagantly, magnanimously. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this woman who even forgives sin? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Another scripture. I think sometimes we need a new perfume. When you're walking in Maya or David Jones and you got number five, six, twelve, I wear John 3.16. Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2. 1 John 8, 9. What perfume do you wear this morning? Chanel, Paco, Dunhill. See, I don't know all this many brands. Draka, that's all my, my era, right? Forgiven. I think that's enough now. Clean. This morning, as I was preparing, we all have treasures in jar of this of clay. You have perfume that those around you need to smell. But it's not just the outward. It's that treasure in jars of clay. It's what God has done in our lives. But to do that, you and I need a shift in perspective because it's what He's done for us and we see that, wow, then it will make me go out and step out of my comfort zone. It will make me go out and give. It will make me go out and be challenged and be stretched and weep with someone and cry with someone and visit with someone, right? And that really is the coin for witnessing. Nothing more, nothing less. We experience His forgiveness. We give back to Him through worship. We waste our lives on Him. And He says, that's my witness. Right? It's not how eloquent you and I are. It's not how many dollars we have in my wallet. It's not how fail. It's not how many times we fail or how many times we've success, uh, su- been successful. It really is. Look what the Lord has done in us. First John closes and I'll close. It says, um, that which we have seen and heard and looked at and touched, that which we proclaim to you, Jesus. And he goes on to speak. That which you've heard, seen, touched, experienced, that we proclaim. Let me just end with the last scripture. One of my favorites in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. What's the fragrance? I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. That's why I asked Daryl this morning to lead us in the song. We're just going to end with the song this morning. And if that's you this morning, you just, you know, if we, church could, we could just all stand. We're going to sing Calvary. I'm done. It's good to be early in service. I'm done. I want to keep some time for ministry. If you're new this morning, or if you wandered away, and you say, who is this Jesus? The excuses you put up, 
I've got, I've got them all and then some. I need a saviour this morning. Can I humbly and respectfully ask you this morning, if that's you, would you just in your own quiet way either raise your hand so we can see you and we can pray for you, but make yourself known before God and do business with Him this morning and say, Lord, I need to be forgiven. While all eyes are closed at the sound of my voice, if that's you this morning and you want to come back or you want to know who this Savior is and you want to sense this sense of being totally unconditionally forgiven of your past, I have good news for you this morning. Jesus accepts you wherever you are. Whatever your sin and your shame, don't count anymore at the foot of Calvary. That is the good news. Amen. So while all eyes are closed, if that's you this morning, would you just in your quietly, if that's you and you say, I need a Savior, would you just raise up your hands, one hand, two hands, and say, I need to be saved this morning. I need you, Jesus. I see that hand. The Lord bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Just quickly put it up before the Lord and put it down again. Come on. If there's you in our midst this morning, heaven rejoices over you this morning because God wants an uninterrupted fellowship with you. And maybe you've wandered away from the faith. This morning, can I remind you again with all that I can expel our breath that you are forgiven, that you are forgiven at His cross, at the feet of Jesus. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand. I see that hand. God bless you. Come back. Come back to Him. Sing it softly with me. Calvary covers it all. My sin and shame don't count anymore. All praise to the one who has ransomed my soul. Calvary covers it all. Once again, softly. Calvary covers it all my sin and shame don't count anymore all praise to the one who has ransomed my soul Calvary covers it all one last time sing with me Calvary Calvary covers it all my sin and shame don't count anymore. All praise to the one who has ransomed my soul. Calvary covers it all. If you put up your hand this morning, repeat after me, and as a church, we'll all pray together. We just ask the Lord to restore us back to His full image, restore us back to, to what He's always planned for us, to have an uninterrupted supply and, and, and of His presence, of His goodness. Would you do that? Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, this morning, in the middle of September, today, Lord, I give You my life. 
And I say, God, have your own way. You are welcome to steer this ship. I thank you for Calvary, that my sin and my shame don't count anymore. I am born again because of the cross in Jesus' name. Amen. And now we've gotten the business end of things away. I'm going to ask, and this is going to take some courage from you. I'm going to ask you and me to bring him an offering to come from your seats and just fill this altar and say, God, I've just come this morning to love on you. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not asking to be prayed for. But I'm going to bring my alabaster jar and I'm going to just pour before you. I don't care whether you stand, you sit, you kneel, you, you prostrate. But whatever it is, you know, church, we don't do this very often. But we just come before God and say, today I'm not asking you for anything. I'm not asking you for anything, God. I'm just coming to love you. I'm just coming to love you. I wonder as a church whether we could do that this day. You can do it in your own seats. But you know, something happens when you make your way out from the crowd. Like this woman. In spite of our sin and shame. And she makes her way forward. And she says, God, I'm just going to love on you this morning. I wonder in church whether we can love God with our whole heart and soul. And say, I don't care who's saying. I don't care who's looking. I don't even care what you might think or what you might say next to me. But you know what? I'm coming to love on Jesus this morning. If that's you this morning, I want to give you the opportunity just come and love Him. Just come to the front, wherever. Just start coming. Just find your own way. The lights will be off. If you need to go, I'll pray and the service will be dismissed. But I want to give you an opportunity to love on God this morning. And just say, God, I'm going to waste myself on you this morning. It's going to be extravagant. It's going to be costly because my pride is going to die, but I'm going to do it this morning. Young and old. Well done, parents. Well done. Well done. Come on. Come on, if we fill it fine, move the chairs. I'd stand on the chairs, but you know, the friends moved the roof to get the guy down. He moved the roof. Just love him. Love him this morning. We love you, God. Lord, this Sunday, no matter what happens next week or last week or next year, Lord, I'm here this morning to say I love you with my whole heart and soul and strength. There is no one that's deserving of my breath. This morning I've come to love you, Jesus. I've just come to worship you, to adore you, to worship you and lift my hands and say, I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you, Jesus. Fantastic, wonderful. Please don't come for me. Just come and love him in your own spot. I know it might be crowded. In your own spot. Can you imagine the Savior just sitting and you are just fellowshipping with Him and whispering to Him, Daddy, I love you. Thank you for Calvary. I have been forgiven much. And this morning I love extravagantly.